Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. It is good to be with all of you this morning. As we get started today, um, we have a, a special guest I wanted to have uh, bring you greetings. We found out, I think, Thursday that Pastor Hudson from Kenya was going to be here on Friday. So, Pastor Hudson, would you come on up and say hello to everyone? Some of you have maybe remember Pastor Hudson preached for us about five years ago, and he and Pastor Job helped us uh, begin our ministry in East Kano, Kenya. Uh, so, brother, bring us some, bring us some encouragement. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Well, if it is in Kenya, we would say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm glad. Thank you, Pastor Caro, for giving me this chance to say hello to the church. Uh, We came in on, uh, was it on Thursday? Rather, we arrived here on Friday morning. And with me, I have my wife, Florence. We have traveled with her. Uh, we, 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 we treasure this church because one of our own, who is James and Philgona, who were they were in Kenya, they were part of our church. Actually, James was, our, was my leader. And when he came over here and got this place, and I came just to be, you know, part of the very first time I came here, and I realized God answered my prayer that uh, let him come and find a church. Not just a church by name, but a church of men and women who live it. You know, there are people who just talk church. But in this congregation, you are, you are privileged to have a really church here. And that was witnessed yesterday, you know, what you were doing. Uh, the other day, somebody was saying, the church is not known by how, how big it is or the number of members, but how many people go out to reach out to the lost. And you know, you people do it beyond the boundaries. You have come to Kenya, and we really appreciate the input you have put in coming to East Kano. And uh, we thank God for what God is doing. And again, thank you, Pastor Caro, uh, for inviting me. Thank you, thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, brother. (laughs) It is always a blessing to hear what God is up to in different parts of the world, and uh, we are just so privileged to have brothers and sisters who love the Lord and who have impacted us as much as we have impacted them, or probably more. Um, So we are just so grateful for you guys uh, and, and your visit. 
Um, I do want to second that, that thanks for a trunk or treat yesterday. It was such a joy to see so many of you uh, telling the story. I love that it's every one of us has a part of this story, and together we, we tell the whole redemptive love letter of God to the world. Um, I, I, saw, I was telling, you know, I'm Mary Magdalene every time, um, and I was telling the story, and I had a couple of teenagers, I mean, they must have been, you know, 14 or something, and, and I'm going, like, great, they're going to be rolling their eyes at me. And as I told them the story and, and that Jesus was not dead, he was alive, their eyes got really big. <laughs> and they were like, whoa. It was amazing to, to see that, like, a seed was at least planted in their heads. This is true. This is God's work in, in the world. Um, I will tell the youth, uh, thank you for my earworm that was in my head at 2 a.m. this morning singing the Fruit of the Spirit song. <laughs> But they, the, the, the youth won uh, the, the, the best trunk. Uh, there's always voting. And the choir came in second. We're grateful for them. They, they have it easy. They get to sing Christmas carols. Um, and then, yep, <laughs> every time. And then, of course, Pedro Farias, all by himself, uh, did the miraculous catch of fish and came in third. And we're just really proud of all of you guys. And, again, thank you, everybody who donated candy. And, and um, it, we had we got rid of over 250 hot dogs. So we're pretty sure, you know, we had well over. Over 100 people, um, 100 children. I gave out. I give out Easter eggs because I'm the Easter trunk, um, and I gave out about 100 Easter eggs. So you add that to the parents, and we had quite a few people here. So we're just so grateful for all of you for your help. Um, let me pray for us as we begin. Lord God, we do thank you that you give us a story of your love from the beginning to the end and the promise that you are with us and will never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world and especially in Kenya today for the witness that they have even in difficult seasons. We pray your blessings on Pastor Hudson and his wife Florence and their family and the ministries that they are doing um, in, in their hometown as well as in East Kano. Lord, we pray that wherever you have placed us, wherever you send us, we would bring you glory. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, last week we began our new sermon series talking about the letters that Paul wrote to his, his protégés, Timothy and Titus. Paul wants them to understand what matters in the world. So last week we talked about truth matters. They were up against false teachers who were leading the people astray, who were causing conflict in the body and even in families. Um, and, and he wanted the, the, Timothy and Titus to ground themselves on the word of God, to teach the word, correct, rebuke, and encourage in season and out of season. And then he says, with all gentleness and patience. He wants us to be people of the truth who not only speak the, the, the true words, but also have the true heart of the Father to teach the word with love and gentleness and patience. Uh, we talked a little bit about how that impacts not just what we believe, but how we behave. And today we're going to be focusing on character matters. What is it that Paul says that we need to do, to do and how do we live out our faith what it looks like to live with integrity, to lead with integrity, even when the world is trying to pull us away from the Lord. So let's turn to our scripture today. I'm going to start with Psalm 15 and then move on to 1 Timothy. This is Psalm 15, the whole, the whole psalm. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart whose tongue utters no slander, 
who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who leads people, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does this, that does these things, will never be shaken. And then turning over to 1 Timothy 4, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That, that is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when you read a book, who are your heroes? You have heroes from, you know, Lord of the Rings is one that Presbyterian pastors love to quote from all the time. Uh, there are many, many heroes in that. I'm from the South, so one of my heroes is Atticus Finch. Atticus was the dad in To Kill a Mockingbird. He is a man of integrity. He's willing to do what everybody else doesn't want to do if it, if it means honor, if it means saving someone's life. He's the, willing, the one willing, the lawyer who, who defended a black man in a, in a court that was rigged to support the, the white testimony. He was willing to stand for what he believed. He was a man of character at home and, and wherever he went. Um, there's one quote when he talks about why he feels called to live in this character. He's talking about his, his son, Jim, and he says this. Before Jim looks at anyone else, he looks at me. And I've tried to live so that I can squarely look back at him. People like Atticus Finch know what it looks like to try to be of good character, to live with integrity everywhere that they go. There's a verse in Daniel. Daniel was known as a, a man of integrity as well. There's a verse that says they could find no corruption in him because he was so trustworthy. People were actually frustrated with Daniel because he was so darn trustworthy. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us were that trustworthy? Have you met other people like that? Have you, do you have other fictional or real characters in your life that you can point to as people of integrity, whose integrity has impacted your life in a way that makes you want to be a better person um, and, and draw wisdom from that? Today, as we look at character matters, Paul is writing to encourage Timothy and Titus to be men of integrity to develop a people of integrity, of character, of people whose lives display the gospel truth as much as their words do. He wants them to stand up against these false teachers who were teaching not only bad beliefs, but also bad behavior. They were letting the people do all kinds of crazy things and causing great division in the church. Paul wants the church not to be defined by that, but rather to be people of character. And as we look at this today, we're going to look at what character looks like, why it's so important, and then also how to, to develop it in your own life and in, in your family. Uh, when we live what we say we believe, it becomes a blessing and a witness to the world. 
If you remember from last week, these false teachers, were they were sometimes really legalistic. So he talks about some of them uh, requiring the, the, the legal uh, adherence to the law of the Old Testament, like the, the problem that he saw in, Gal in Galatia. Others of them swung the other way. They said, kind of do whatever you want, follow the ways of the pagans. It doesn't matter. And, and because they were two such extremes, the, the false teachers were causing division within the church and even within families. Husbands and wives were turning against each other. Children were turning against their parents. Everything was off balance. And Paul was saying, we need to bring that back together. But he sees this list of behaviors. One of the verses I quoted last week was that people will listen to what their itching ears want to hear. And Paul says when they do that, when they listen to whatever they want to hear, this is what you'll see. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. There were 19 different things on that list. How many have you seen in the last week? <laughs> and, and how many have I seen in my own heart? It is so easy to fall into these patterns of life because the world around us is doing this stuff. But God is calling us to be different, to be set apart, and to change. In the, the society that Paul was writing to uh, among the Greeks, there were four cardinal virtues. Uh, there were four things that were held up, held in high esteem. So whoever exhibited these must be uh, a, a special person. They were prudence, kind of like wisdom, self-control, justice, and courage. Those are, are all very, very good, good virtues. Prudence, self-control, justice, and courage. Paul would add to that list godless, godliness and love, as well as the other fruit of the Spirit, as he tells us to be gentle and patient as we teach and love the world. Paul calls us in 1 Timothy to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness and dignity. He wants, to, wants people to be able to get along with people, to live in, a, in such a way that is a blessing to their community. In 2 Timothy, he adds that we should pursue faithfulness, righteousness, love, and peace. What would it look like if, if Christians in this country lived with those virtues? Justice, courage, love, grace, godliness, faithfulness. It would, it would change our community if we all exhibited that, those virtues and it's something that is hard to do. We need God to work on us to, in order to do that. The most specific group of people that he points out to are the leaders of the church. If anybody else needs to be people of good character, it has to be the elders and the deacons. And he's pretty hard on them. He gives them the longest list. This is some of what he says. Um, here is what you are going to need to do. Uh, excuse me. Um, the, the list includes above reproach, faithful to their wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. In, first, in Titus 1, we also see that they should be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. 
Paul isn't giving them a job description. He's not telling us. That we, some people would really like Paul to outline what an elder is supposed to do here. That's not what he does. He, he's not saying, okay, here's how you organize a church. Here's how you organize the money. Here's how you organize the people. He's saying these are the types of people that you need to have their character so that you can lead the church well. Whatever your context, whatever your situation, whatever era it is, these are timeless characteristics of elders and deacons. You notice one of them that's on both lists is hospitality. He wants us to be hospitable. What does it look like when leaders are hospitable? It's, it's not like, let me check your credentials at the door and see if you're worth coming in. It's an offer, come. Sit, eat, get, let's, let us get to know you. Welcome. We, wanna, we want you to, to know Jesus who welcomed all of the strangers and tax collectors and sinners, whoever it is. We want to welcome everyone. He wants men and women who are, are also self-controlled. You see that on all of the lists as well. And that was one of the cardinal virtues. What does it mean to be self-controlled? We all, it seems like these days, our desires and passions, you're defined by what our desires and passions are. Your identity comes from your desires and passions. But Paul wants us to submit those desires and passions to the Lord, to live in a self-controlled way. It's not that you're not allowed to have desires and passions, but they have to be submitted to, to God. There are some desires that every one of us have that is not in alignment with God, and we have to say, God, transform this desire into something that is good and something that is right and something that is true. We have to live in such a way that, that God is honored whatever our desires and passions are. I mean, you can be Steelers fans, <laughs> but don't worship the Steelers more than God. <laughs> and there are some people who do that. We have spent a lot of time on our, with our nominating committee and with our elders especially to, to seek to be people of character, to seek out and, and nominate elders and deacons who are, are spiritually mature people. In our former denomination, the, the, the model of being an elder was more like a board of directors. It was different people who represented different ministries and, or different age groups and, and all voted according to those allegiances and those skill sets. But in the EPC, the number one responsibility of an elder is to represent the mind of Christ, to discern the mind of Christ. That is hard to do, and it takes work. We have two business, or excuse me, we have two elders meetings a, a month. One of them is entirely prayer. We get together and pray for you. We pray to the Lord to give us wisdom and guidance. We want to we see God at work in this church. And we have to ask him where we're going and how we do that. When we get to a hard place, we stop and we pray. We did this last Tuesday. It's just a really hard decision. And we just stopped and prayed. And it was really interesting because the, the air in the room seemed to be different after we prayed. And I was so grateful that God shows up when we ask him. And I'm able to work with these amazing men and women um, that I trust implicitly. If you haven't gotten to know any of our elders, I, I hope that you will seek them out and, and, and get to know them. And, and know how much they love you guys and want to care for you as well. So that's the what of character, what it should look like. We should be gentle and patient and peaceful and kind and hospitable. But why is that so important? With Paul, it always, always comes down to the gospel. Our character should reflect Jesus Christ because of the gospel. 
that's how we share the love of God. When Paul is telling us um, that it's, it's most important to lead a life of integrity so that when people look into our lives, they see not only the words that we speak, but the truth lived out that it is it's part of who we are. Clement was one of the um, first bishops of the church in the second century, so maybe 75 or 100 years after the life of Christ. And this is what he said. For when the heathen hear from our mouth the oracles of God, they wonder at their beauty and greatness. Afterwards, when they find out that our deeds are unworthy of our words which we speak, they turn from their wonder to blasphemy, saying that it is all myth and delusion. Isn't that incredible? Like if they see the truth, hear the truth, they, they respond to it in wonder and beauty. They wonder at the beauty and greatness. But if they find out our deeds are not worthy of that, then they turn away and think that we're just delusional. And how often is that lived out in the church these days? People may hear the wonders of Jesus Christ, but when they look at the way Christians are behaving, they're like, I don't want any of that. Paul knows that our witness gets compromised if we're not living out the truth and not living out the faith. I, I loved that all day yesterday it was about loving the people who came. You guys lived as people with joy and integrity. And it showed and it, and it impacted people who came through. And I'm so grateful for that. As we think about all of this stuff, I, I, I keep, again, I had the earworm of the Fruit of the Spirit song in my head at 2 a.m., thank you very much, and probably 5 and 6 and 7 and now. And, um, <laughs> but I, I just love these teenagers who were able to share that over and over and over. And there was one um, thing that, that Carter Wagner read to the, everybody before they sang their Fruit of the Spirit song, um, and it tied with, with my trunk as well. It said, as Jesus entered into people's hearts, they noticed that their entire lives began to transform. Instead of being scared, angry, jealous, or sad, they noticed new fruit forming in their lives. This fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, was not bananas or dragon fruit, <laughs> but was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then they launch into their song. Um, but, but the thing is the Holy Spirit. How do we get this? We get it through the Holy Spirit. We get it through spending time in the word. We get it through God's constant filling and infilling. Part of what, how do we, how do we get the spirit? What Paul wants to tell Timothy and Titus, and he says this multiple times, how do we do it? It's by training. It's not just, okay, I'm going to do this, and then you go back into your habits. We have to train our habits. We have to train our mind. We have to train our reactions to people who bug us. We have to go into training like the Steelers have to go to training camp long before the season starts. What does training look like? This is what Paul, um, in the passage I just read, he says, train yourself to be godly. And then again in 2 Timothy, he says, scripture is for training in righteousness. And then Titus, he, you can see this thread going throughout. Titus 2 says, scripture teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this, this present age. That's how we train ourselves. We spend time with scripture. We spend time in prayer. We spend time with the Holy Spirit. And, and as, we, as we look at all of this, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to train our characters. Because I'm, I'm sure you struggle with your own character as much as I struggle with mine. Trying, you know, I, the, the sort of 
guttural fleshly reactions to things that bug me just <laughs> happen without even thought. And you have to train even those instincts, even those reactions to be more Christ-like. I was at the, a national leadership team meeting in Orlando a couple of months ago, and Rosemary Lukens, who's the chair of that team, um, she was doing a devotion, and she talked about where we get our identity. Our identity can be from a good thing, so our family or our job or that kind of thing. It can be from uh, a neutral thing. It can be from a bad thing. And she, she said, what is your brain telling you your identity is? And the word, literally, the words that popped into my head were stress puppy. This is not a great identity. <laughs> I was like, why do I identify as a stress puppy? It's like I, I had been telling pe people would ask in, in the group, you know, how are you doing? How's church? You know, how are things going? And I would start listing all the things I was stressed about. And like, why am I identifying with that? Why am I, I proclaiming to other people that this is who I am? And, and I really prayed about that, and I, I, I laid it down. But one thing Rosemary said, we can't change our identity by trying. We have to change our identity by training. We can't change it by trying. We have to change it by training. This reminds me, if you're a Star Wars fanatic, you probably hear Yoda's voice here. Do or not do, there is no try. <laughs> but how do we train that? As I was praying about it and, and asking God um, to, to help me replay that tape, like change the stress puppy into a tape that is God's words instead of, of my own and my own fears. And, and the verse that kept coming into my head, it, I hear it in the, in the King James, um, Isaiah 26, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So whenever I heard stress puppy, I'm like, perfect peace, perfect peace, perfect peace. I will trust and keep my mind stayed on the, I need to train my, my brain to go back and back and back to the Lord. It's like that beautiful line in the, the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Many Blessings, bind my wandering heart to thee. Because boy, do we wander. But God, we need to let God train us so that we are, are, are trained on him as well. When we think about all of this, all, the, all of these hows, we need to remember the one pitfall of thinking about these things is we can and frequently do turn it into works righteousness. We think, I have to clean myself up. I have to be good enough so that God will love me and let me into heaven. And that is not what Paul is saying at all. Our, our, our change of character is in response to what God has done, not the cause of what God has done. He says this in 1 Timothy, when the kindness of love and kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs of having the hope of eternal life. This is not by the righteous deeds that we have done. Our salvation, our worth in the sight of Jesus is not in our righteous deeds. It is Christ's righteousness, his death on the cross, his victory on Easter Sunday as he rose again from the dead. That is what purchased our righteousness. Because of his death and resurrection, we are able to put on robes of righteousness to cover our filthy character, our broken mind and untrained thoughts. So that we can be covered in God and, and washed by the Holy Spirit. I love that, that he talks about being washed by the, um, 
washed of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. We are washed. I mean, think of yourself, you know, Pigpen, the character, and, and Peanuts, who's always coming with a trail of dust behind him. It, often that's our identity, but the Holy Spirit pours out on us and washes all the crud away and transforms us. As the youth proclaimed over and over yesterday, when Jesus is in our heart, where the Holy Spirit is pouring out on us, that transforms us. It takes away the anger and jealousy and sadness and transforms us to have the fruit of the Spirit. It's the constant infilling of the Holy Spirit, the washing of rebirth and renewal, that continual cleansing away of the gunk in our hearts that gradually transforms our character to be more like Jesus Christ. Part of our training has to be keeping going back to the Holy Spirit. It's like we are a wild vine that, that we want to go whichever way we want. And God wants us to grow up on the frame that is his love and his plan and his identity for us. As English Ivy wants to wander up every single thing it can find, God wants us to come be grown up on that vine. And he has to prune off branches that won't be trained in the right way. But he can raise us up to be something beautiful that proclaims the truth of Jesus Christ. He wants to train us so that we can live a life of character, so that we can bless the church and bless the world around us with good leadership and integrity, with hospitality and joy and love. Brothers and sisters, Paul and God calls us to be men and women of character and to raise children of character. All of us are responsible for raising the children of this church with character and with grace and love. He wants us to live out in our integrity in our marriages, in, in our families, in our households, in our workplaces, in our schools. He wants us to live it out in church, behind closed doors and meetings and in front of other people. He wants us to live it out in the, in the world around us so that people can know what it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Just as we ourselves have received mercy, we who did not deserve mercy, we can show that same mercy to others, no matter what they look like, no matter how far away from the Lord they are, no matter how much their desires and passions are, are driving them, we can show them that God's cleansing blood, his, his Holy Spirit power can transform their lives and help them to be a, a people of integrity. I close with this, this word to Titus. He want, his hope is for all of us that we may live upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us and to purify for himself a people that is, are his very own. Brothers and sisters, we are a people of God's very own. And he loves you and he delights in you and he calls you his dearly beloved children. And it is because of his love that we too can be people who look like our dad. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you when we praise you that you loved us while we were yet sinners. You love us even when we make a thousand mistakes you always forgive and bring us back to you. Help us to continually turn to you, bind our wandering hearts to you. Lord, we pray for the leaders in our church and leaders around the world, that they too may be men and women of character whose lives display who you are and who are willing to, to help all those around them to live in faith as well. Lord, I, I thank you so much for our elders and deacons and ask that you would bless them and fill them with your spirit.
raise up men and women who, who, who you're calling next to be officers in our church, leaders of different ministries, volunteers. Lord, we have been blessed by people with many spiritual gifts. Help us to remember to be thankful for one another and all that we see and do. Lord God, we thank you that we can put our hope in you no matter what is happening around us. Lord, we open the, the news every day and see more reports of war. And Lord, we just cry out to you for justice, for courage, for, for peace. Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. You are the only one who can bring peace to the Middle East. Lord, we pray for our brother and sister Christians who are caught up in the middle of this fight. Oh, Lord, we pray for their protection and their blessing, that you would give them the courage to speak your truth and your hope, even in the midst of this, this awful atrocity. Lord, we pray for those who have, have lost loved ones in such horrible ways. We pray that you would tend their hearts, that you would help them to lament to you, because you are a God who's big enough to answer all the why questions, and the how long questions, and the where are you questions. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would be in the midst and that you would be the solution human solutions to war never work but God's solutions do and we ask you for that Lord God we pray for those who recently lost loved ones in Maine and those who are are struggling in their own families with with health issues and and despair and sadness I pray for the epidemic of loneliness in our community Lord we pray that you would put the, the lonely into families and households and, and friend groups that, that would know and love them. Bring, bring us together as a church. Help us to support one another in our hard times and our loneliness. Help us to find our identity in you and not be tossed about with the wind and the waves like so many are. Let us be grounded on the rock of Jesus Christ. And Lord, let us be grounded in the truth of your word that promises that we are your dearly beloved children and it is as your children you taught us to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please rise as we affirm our faith through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.